0: You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com.
1: Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Adam and Eve. AdamandEve.com is like the biggest online superstore for all of your sex needs. They've got toys, they've got lingerie, they've got movies. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for everything sexy. Now, you'll get 10 free gifts when you order one item. Something for her, something for him, something you'll both enjoy, and six free movies, Plus, free shipping. All you have to do is enter code HOLLY at checkout. That's H-O-L-L-Y at adamandeve.com for your 10 free gifts. Today on my show, I have breakout new adult star, Alina Lopez. She's only been in the industry for two years, but she's already collected many accolades like Penhouse Pet, Vixen Angel, and most importantly, twisties treat of the month, which by the way, I shot and is one of honestly my best shoots for them. So go check it out at twisties.com. It's fucking epic. Anyways, this girl is so popular. She's booked until 2020, which is why I was so lucky to get her in the studio for my podcast. And this is such a great episode. I know I say that a lot, but like, honestly, I really, really like this one because it's one of those interviews that literally like pops into my head randomly because I really feel like there was so much value in what Alina had to say. And I really walked away from that podcast thinking a lot about, you know, the conversations that we had about religion and her upbringing and and all that kind of stuff. Now, first of all, if you believe that all porn stars come from broken families, that they suffered sexual, physical, or mental abuse, or they have some kind of drug problem which forced them into sex work, because why on earth would anyone of sound mind to choose this career, right? Well, Alina is here to shatter that assumption. And it's girls like Alina that remind me of why I do this podcast to show the world that not every porn star fits into the neat little stereotype that validates society's contempt for the adult industry. Alina grew up in a Mormon family that she is still close to. Let me repeat that in case you didn't catch it. Alina comes from a strict religious background, and her family accepts her career choice and continues to embrace her. Her parents are proud of her. Her mother sued her dress for the EVN awards for crying out loud. So maybe if there's just one girl like Alina who doesn't fit into the naive, broken, and victimized young girl mold that so many associate with a porn performer, is it possible that perhaps, I mean, just maybe there are other girls like her? That maybe the porn industry is filled with all types of people with different stories, experiences, and motivations for their career choice. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not naive. I've said this before and I'll say it again. The porn industry is not for everyone. There's definitely girls I've shot who I think would be much better off in another line of work. But I think it's also important to recognize that there are people who have picked the perfect job for them and they are actually happy with their choices. In fact, the only negative thing they face is the social stigma that follows you when you work in the adult industry. And that stigma, my friends, originates from people who don't understand the adult industry and cannot imagine that perhaps their own biases shouldn't be projected onto other people. And that is what I want to do. I want to help change your mind, your friend's mind, your neighbor's mind, hell, your mom's mind about what the adult industry and the people in it are actually like, the good and the bad. Everyone has their own story. I just give them an opportunity to tell it. So, I hope that you enjoy Alina's story, which starts now on Holly Randall Unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm so happy because I actually finally got somebody who was supposed to come on a few weeks ago, but I canceled on them because my dog was sick, and I'm so excited that we actually made it happen. So we have Alina fucking Lopez in the studio. Hi,
0: and I'm so happy your dog is still okay. (laughs) I know.
1: I am so surprised, actually, that she is so like I told you when, you know, I canceled, I literally thought she'd had a stroke and we were like going to put I her down.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I was like about to, I was like about to cry.
0: I'm glad you did phone. not have to put her down. Yeah. So
1: it turns out she had vestibular disease, which is not all that uncommon in old dogs. And it just. Essentially, what the vet said was for her is that the whole world was spinning. Like vertigo, Yeah, like severe vertigo. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't stand up. She kept falling over. She was nauseous. Oh, she was drooling. Yeah, and it was really sad. But he said it actually like kind of goes away <laughs> on its own. Um, you don't have
0: to give her any medication or anything? We like
1: did it? give her medication for the nausea mm-hmm. to help her with that um, so that like she could eat. But um, in terms of... The actual, like, spinning and the vertigo, I guess there's not really anything you can do. Mm -hmm. You just have to, like, let it. And I don't... They don't... Apparently, vets don't really understand it. Um, What
0: even causes that?
1: It's just... It's, like, an imbalance in, you know, the... Whatever part of your brain, like, between your ears that, like, helps us, you know differentiate i think between left and right and balance mm. if that gets fucked up i don't know Damn. i don't know exactly i am i am not a vet <laughs> i am not that smart um but she still walks with like a slightly tilted she kind of goes this oh. way a little bit but she's she's walking and it's like
0: sad but kind of cute yeah and she's
1: in good spirits and you know she still tries to play fetch and she's eating and stuff so so we're happy good yeah yeah. So, but anyways, anyways, <laughs> I'm so glad that we can make this happen again because I know I'm you're too. a crazy busy girl. <laughs> Spiegler said you were booked up until, out until next year. So. Yeah, it's, be nice. it's been
0: a it's been a busy year. For yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's your two year anniversary, right? Yeah, this month is my two year anniversary in porn. Wow,
1: and you got the cover of Avian Magazine. I did, which is very exciting. Yeah,
0: it was a huge surprise and like such awesome timing. Yeah, Something to be able to. It was awesome to be able to do such a big project like that on my two year anniversary. Yeah.
1: So how has like the last two years been for you? Kind of te- take us through like
0: how you got here and how you. It has been. Crazy, it has gone, it is, has far surpassed the best case scenario that I had imagined when I first got in. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I when I first got in the industry, I knew that you know the average career length of a new girl is can be even as short as six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea what was going to happen to me, I knew I was going to come in and, and give it my all, but you know, sometimes. Things just don't work out. And I had kind of just planned to just try and be in for a year to two years and mm-hmm. hoping that I would at least make it that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I am at two years. And, you know, like Spiegler said, I'm getting booked in the next year. So it's, it's amazing. I, I'd never imagined. I hoped, you know, making it to two years was, was my goal. Right. And like I said, I've even surpassed that now. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into the industry? Um, I was always curious about sex work, um, from a, uh, from a young age, even (laughs) I was curious about it and, and drawn to it. Um, and my plan kind of was to start, you know, when I was 18, when I was younger, I just wanted to do it right away. Like I was looking into stripping and camming and, you know, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but, um, And when I turned 18, I ended up actually getting a job that I really loved, uh, outside of sex work. So I kind of put it on hold for a minute. And then when I was 22, I finally felt ready and I, you know, I felt like it was, it was time to kind of take the plunge. And I'm glad I didn't start when I was 18. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of girls start when they're 18 and they're fine. Um, I think I had a little bit more maturing to do and I wanted to make sure I was really making the right choice because, you know, once it's out there, you can never take it back. So. Mm When I was 22, I, I felt a lot more confident and um, and ready for it, and I and I took the plunge, and I'm glad that I did because I'm not sure things would have gone as well as they did if I had started earlier.
1: Yeah. Why do you think that? Well, why do you think that you didn't start when you were 18? Was it just because this other job came up and and that took? Do you think that if that job had not happened, that you would have started in the industry at 18?
0: Yeah, I think that if that job wouldn't happen, I I definitely would have started earlier. Um, so why do you think it's better that you started later? Um, I mean the job that I had, I I was working um, at a school for troubled youth, mm-hmm. and I really really loved it. I worked with special needs kids all through high school, um, and at the school uh, for troubled youth, there was girls there that were struggling with mental health issues, and some, you know, some that weren't. But it was just a really Good growing experience for me, um, and I really enjoyed working with them. And I feel like it helped me grow up a lot, you know. And
1: probably taught you a lot of compassion and
0: patience. Yeah, and 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 understanding of people because you know, you know, some of these girls would act out, and you know, then you kind of learn more about where they came from before they were at the school, and you understand them better, and you understand mm-hmm. why people do things that they do. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of teaches you not to judge people on, you know, their yeah. actions and stuff. And that was especially helpful coming into the industry when yeah. people here can, you know, sometimes act out in ways that you don't understand. I mean, people are everywhere, but, yeah. you know, this industry can be especially stressful at times. I think especially because, you know,
1: it's such an, you know, becoming a, getting into porn, you can so easily be, as you know, be quickly rocketed to fame and notoriety online. And so when you're dealing with these mental health issues and you're, you know, having these situations where you're essentially figuring out how to deal with life and you're making mistakes as we all do and overreacting and behaving badly as we all do in our youth, it's being played out on this very public stage Mm -hmm. for, you know, thousands and thousands, sometimes millions of people to watch. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really, really difficult for young people.
0: Yeah. So... I mean, taking what I learned from that job and using some of those skills and maneuvering the industry now has been extremely helpful.
1: Mm -hmm. What do you think that, um, what do you think are some of the things that you do now at your age that maybe you wouldn't have before? Do you think that you're better, like establishing boundaries? Oh, for sure.
0: Um, You know, I was, I definitely feel, you know, those few short years between being eighteen and twenty two, you grow a lot. You
1: do. Yeah. And a lot From, of people don't realize
0: that. Yeah. The problem is
1: is when you're eighteen you think you know everything. Mm-hmm. You really do.
0: And and I, I was confident even then, um, but I I had no experience in, in the adult world. And I mm-hmm. think that, you know, some of these girls that come into porn straight out of high school, they've a lot of them have never worked a real job, they've never had a boss, they've had they've never had hours of schedule, and they think that porn is just like, you know, A big party. A big party, yeah. Yeah. And they don't understand you need to be on time to your call times. You need to respect your boss. You need to respect your directors, Mm -hmm. your agent, your coworkers. You know, this is work. Yeah. This is a business. Um, And I feel like those skills that I learned working a full-time job um, outside of porn before coming in helped me uh, take it more seriously as a job once I got in. And respect other people's time, you know. And not just showing up two hours late to set or, you know, yeah. unless there's terrible traffic. Like there was a day we shot
1: together. <laughs> That's okay. You and the entire crew were all like equally late. So it's oh totally my God. fine. That it's was totally crazy. But, um, and we ended up like, you know, not going overtime anyway. Yeah. So we were totally okay. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you that you bring up that point specifically about how if you come into this industry really young and you haven't had a regular kind of nine to five job or a job where you're working with other people, how that can affect your job performance and how seriously you take your job and your behavior and stuff like that, because that's so incredibly true. Mm -hmm. And I've actually, you know, most people, when they argue for the idea of starting porn later, it's usually like, Oh, well, you're just not grown up yet. You haven't developed your brain. That's not to
0: say that some 18 year olds I get in the industry can't or aren't successful. Right. I mean, there's, thirty year olds that get in the industry and, and are idiots. And, together. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Absolutely. But so I think true. it's still definitely it's never going to hurt you to mm-hmm. wait.
1: Right. Because it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the the point that you brought up with the the idea of actually having worked in a more strict because porn it's structured. it's not as structured as like a regular nine to five is, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's very different. The hours can be all over the place. Every production set's different. Mm-hmm. Your boss is a different person every single day and they have mm-hmm. different rules and mm-hmm. they have different behaviors. They're working with different people. Um but I think it what you said is really valuable about, you know, how people would fare better if they've had a regular, more structured job where they've kind of learned those skills. Absolutely. About every,
0: every girl in the industry that I know who has had a a career before porn? Mm-hmm. Um, has it shows? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it yeah, shows yeah. in their professionalism. It shows in you know in how they behave on set and mm-hmm. how they how they act towards their co stars. It, mm-hmm. it it shows. You can tell.
1: Yeah. So, okay, so I kind of interrupted you. We went off on a little bit of a tangent. So <laughs> you, um, okay, so you were older and you decided that you wanted to try sex work. So what was the first thing that you did?
0: Um, <clears throat> well, I, I went to a few strip clubs mm-hmm. just to see, you know, I, I went to my first strip club when I was like maybe 19, mm-hmm. just to see what that is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun and I enjoyed it, but I, it, didn't seem like enough money to me mm-hmm. um, you And you know. had a background in dance, right yeah I so was well I was a gymnast mostly that's my my biggest defining you know yeah sport that I did growing up. I was a competitive gymnast for like ten years, Wow, and then after that uh I did dance and cheer
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but yeah so i I looked into stripping and to me it just it didn't seem like uh quite what I was looking for. Um, And I looked into camming briefly, but that's, I wanted to get out of the house more and travel more. Camming is
1: definitely not going to get you out of the
0: house. (laughs) So I.
1: You literally never have to leave your bedroom.
0: Yeah. And, and I just liked that. And, you know, with camming and stripping, the money you make is going to be different, you know, every night. I mm-hmm. what I liked about porn was that it's, you know, you have a set rate and you know you're going to make that, you know. It's it's more to me it seemed more, you know, reliable, I guess, or yeah. more consistent. That's true. Um so I started researching agents. I literally I didn't know where to start cuz I didn't know a single person in the industry. I didn't know anyone or anything. I had zero connections. Um so the first thing I did was just Google Porn agents, and I, I live in southern Utah, um, so I'd looked. I, I knew there probably wasn't going to be any in Utah. Right. So I looked porn. I googled porn agents Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and that's what I because it's close to where I live. Right. Um, and a couple came up, and I, you know, I'm not an idiot. I looked at a f- couple websites, and by the websites alone, I was like, okay, this is not something. Maybe these agents are not mm-hmm. the one for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, I came across a couple that looked okay to me, and you know, I, and I looked at their girls. I'm like, okay, is this like a site that I want to be up, you know, on there with? Yeah, with their roster says a lot. Yeah, yeah, so I looked at the rosters and and looked if, to see if I would fit in with them, or you know, if all the girls were like covered in tattoos and piercings and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, okay, this is maybe a more alternative agency. You know, kind mm-hmm. of just looking for the right one. And I spent months looking at agents before I even made my first phone call. Mm-hmm. Um and i i found spiegler well i before i found him i was still struggling to find a like a a website and agent that looked good to me mm-hmm. so i'm like okay well what about like the top girls in the industry so i started looking up like you know the most the most famous porn stars you know like riley and and angela and <clears throat> and uh, some of those girls and i Realized I'm like okay well who represents them and it was Spiegler mm. so I'm like okay I'm gonna and I like read I googled everything about him I wow. read like every article I could find I watched every interview like I you really did your research oh yeah <laughs> I I spent a long time on this um and I read that he only you know he's super exclusive he only represents twenty five to thirty girls at a time mm-hmm. and and I looked at his website and it was full. And then
1: and also to just by the way really quickly I just want to laugh a little bit at how you said like you know you look at people's website and you use that to like judge because Steeler I is fucking really outdated. love you but your website sucks. And I think it's I, so outdated it looks like it was like done in like 1995.
0: I, he likes it. He says he, he wants to keep it like the original. He's like, "Well, I haven't had anyone not booked. You know any of the girls? Well, that's the (laughs) thing. It's like Spiegler.
1: It's so funny because he's like his own kind of entity, where like he's so popular. He's you know considered the best agent Mm -hmm. by so many people. He has the best girls. You know, as a producer, he's like my go-to guy. You know, he's just fantastic. He's honest. He's direct. He will always get back to you right Mm -hmm. away. But his fucking website sucks. But I feel like I get it. Like he doesn't need to change his website. Spiegler doesn't have to do shit. Like he will never lack
0: for girls Mm -hmm. and work. So it's completely unnecessary, but part of me still wishes he would do it. I think that honestly, while I was looking up websites, I did come across his and I put it to the side. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until later. Because I remember like reading about him and like going to his website, I'm like, wait, I think I already looked at this one yeah. and said no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um a couple of days later I looked again and he had one spot open up. I noticed that he, he must have dropped a girl. Mm-hmm. And I literally just he had a phone number on his website and I just called on my lunch break when well, wow. I was at my nine to five, wow! And I went outside and I called, and I'm like looking around, making sure none of my coworkers are coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he and he answered, and he was in the shower. Of course, he always answers <laughs> his phone. He never doesn't answer his phone. And I was expecting to get like an assistant or something, and then just hear this like hello. Like, and it was angry hilarious too. Voice.
1: <laughs> angry speaker voice with like water yeah, in the background. I and I you're like so
0: confused. I was like, did I call the right number? You're like, like, what are is you in the shower? No, I didn't say that, but he did. He's like, I was like, hey. Uh, my name is you know and and i uh i'm trying to get into the industry um I, are you taking any girls right now and he was like oh well i'm in the shower let me call you back and i was like okay so he, <laughs> you must have
1: hung up and been like what I was the so, fuck i literally looked on. at his
0: website and looked at the number i just called him like was that the right number because <laughs> i was so confused <clears throat> but now that i know spiegler that's yeah. just him he, yeah yeah yeah. totally he will never not answer the phone like yes. it doesn't matter um so yeah, he called me back later and um, he was like okay, – he he's so to the point. Like he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's a busy guy. He doesn't waste any time. He wasn't fucking around like I um, – he was like, okay, well, do you have anywhere I can see pictures of you? And, I, and at that time, I was doing more like mainstream modeling and I had a modeling Instagram account, like mm-hmm. not porn related – and i was like yeah i have a i have an instagram you can look at and he's mm. like well what is it i'll look at it right now and i was like oh shit he's like going to look me look yeah, it up right like, now while we're on the yeah. phone <laughs> so i'm like this he could just say like fuck off and hang up you yeah. know like i was so nervous my heart started racing yeah and he was like yeah yeah you're you're cute when can you come out and i was like uh and i didn't even like i had to get work off and i was like i have no idea i just called you like so then i went back in and i had to schedule a a week off of work and drove out to la um and i shot my first scene what was Um, it like meeting him i uh, well at that point i knew he was someone you know, not to be messed with. I knew he was someone high up in the industry, and and I was nervous. I mm. I really was, and I I pretty much at that point decided if this guy is not going to represent me, I probably am just not going to do porn. So he
1: didn't agree to represent you before you drove out to L.A., right?
0: He it he made it sound like he, like a trial. Yeah, like yeah he wanted to s- meet me in person. He yeah. but he booked my first scene before meeting me. Oh wow! Like, so I had it booked like. You know, he talked to me a few times on the phone, and he had a fuck ton of photos of me and video. I'd sent, I because I'd done video projects too, like Uh not porn, but like just like you know, modeling videos. Um, so he knew what I looked like. Like, you know, he knew I wasn't like catfishing him or something, right? But like, did
1: he? Because I know that he's also very particular about who he hires. Because you can't, you need to not only be good looking, but you also have to be like. Professional, serious well, he, about the job. Yeah, but he, a pervert, he, like all he those. He took things.
0: me through all those tests. He asked me, he's like, Well, well, what do you you know, sexually like, what do you like? And I was like, Well, I, I'm I'm bisexual, I like men, I like women, I I love like new experiences, like I, you know, was the school slut in high school, like, mm-hmm. you know. And he so he knew I was, you know, a very sexual person. Okay. And he also m- we had multiple phone calls before I ever drove out where he booked me, which were all scheduled. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of him testing my professionalism, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Which is funny because we were in different time zones so the first time I called him I was by his clock an hour late mm-hmm. and I because he's like call me at, at 8 p.m. tomorrow yeah and I called him at 8 p.m. tomorrow and he's like well you're supposed to call me an hour ago I'm like it's 8 p.m. and he's like um, it, so that was funny yeah. a funny mix up because he thought I was calling him an hour late but right. it was just different time zones so he he knew I was and I, and I worked a nine to five and he knew that mm-hmm. so I think he kind of just trusted my professionalism based off of me having a normal job at the time and never being late you know to our scheduled phone conversations conversations and and yeah and so that was it and he booked me work and i drove out and met him and shot my first scene and and it was pretty much just i quit my job like two weeks later and just that was it what was your first scene uh it was for lansky it was for black draw oh
1: wow yeah that was your first scene wow how was that
0: it was... He, there, did, they, did he shoot them in hotel rooms? Uh, no, that was shot at a home. Okay. Um, I, yeah, they do shoot in hotel rooms a lot for that particular site. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one was shot in a home. Uh, and he told me, he's like, now, like, not all porn companies are going to be like this. Because Lansky's, you know, Days on a Lansky set is definitely very, like, um, long and structured and, you know there's time frames that need to be met and you know, it's just, it's very professional. And, um, you know, so, and he was like, not, not all porn companies are going to be like this, yeah. you know, like long, long days like this and all that. But, but it was great. Everyone was really nice. And it was, uh, my heart was just racing the whole day, but like, as soon as the camera started rolling and like, uh, Jason Love pulled out his dick and I started sucking it it all went away and I was just <laughs> like this is where I'm supposed to be <laughs> like if, it just awesome. came to. be I just I just like did what I do you know yeah. yeah like and I love being before porn um I I love being on camera mm-hmm. like I love modeling and I uh used to go on a video chat website that's not even meant for porn in fact if they catch you like naked or anything they kick you off mm-hmm. um And it's just like a video chat website where you get assigned like random people to like video chat with from all over the world. It's supposed to be this like sweet thing that brings the world together to video mm-hmm. chat. And I just, people use it to like jerk off. Mm-hmm. So, and I was one of those people. Yeah. So I would go on there and like masturbate and like have people watch me masturbate. Like I loved it.
1: Wow. So, so you knew I, that it was right for you. I
0: did that for a long time and I was like, why am I like not getting paid for this? Like, I, <laughs> you know, that's why I thought about doing camming. Cause I enjoyed that, that specific scenario right. so much. Yeah. Um, that's but,
1: the thing about porn. It's like it can't be just for the money.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: you have to enjoy the work. You mm-hmm. have to enjoy being an exhibitionist. You mm-hmm. have to enjoy the sex. Otherwise the money's never gonna be enough.
0: Yeah. And and I'm one of those people, like I'll be on set and you know, I've everyone on everyone should be professional on set, like talent and crew. Mm-hmm. And but I'm one of those people where I'm like, well I'm like working and having sex I want everyone in the room to be like horny too like if I yeah. look over and a PA has a boner I'm like yeah that's hot like <laughs> so that that's great that's interesting <laughs> because actually
1: like a lot of times um, girls would be like creeped out by that
0: yeah and I said that yeah I said that to I was talking about it to Brie Mills and she was like I'm the one like saying no everyone be professional yeah like, no like if everyone was like if like if the director was filming and like jerking off that would be ideal to me that would make it more fun
1: <laughs> can I tell you like the funniest story that just reminded me so when we shot your treat of the month shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy that was doing the steady cam.
0: Yeah.
1: So he like only works <coughs> mainstream. Like he mm-hmm. never, ever, ever works an adult and he only shoots the tease stuff. He never shoots any of like the masturbation. Did he shoot
0: it that day? Mm-mm.
1: Oh. No, he never does. He oh. left. He left early because when he, and he's still like kind of new to it. Cause he's only ever worked for me and he's only, you know, done. He only does treat of the month stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I said, only the tease stuff. Um, and when he was leaving, because he was leaving early, you were naked because you were about to do the masturbation, mm-hmm. and you ran up to him and gave him this hug, naked, not thinking about it. And I, of course, like to me, like that, whatever. It's I don't. Normal. It's normal. Yeah. And I just remember his face to be like over your shoulder was like, oh my, like he was like he wasn't like. <laughs> freaked out, but yeah. he was kind of, he was so shocked. Taken aback. He was so taken aback. I back. remember
0: this. I remember, like, teasing him, like, oh, you're leaving before the show? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. And just the look on his face, he was just like, oh my god. And I was, like, laughing. I'm like, I keep forgetting that you're not really part of this world, <laughs> oh, and god. this is different for you. I hope I
0: didn't make him feel uncomfortable. No, no,
1: no, no, no. He, like, no, we laugh about it. Good. We laugh about it, because I still, <clears throat> he still works with me on all all those shoots, and he told, no, he thought you were great, honestly. Like, he was Everyone
0: really, was great that day. That was, that was such a good day. That
1: was such a good day. That was mm-hmm. definitely one of the best Treat of the Month shoots I've ever done.
0: I'm, I love to hear you say that because I, I I, mean, it was the only Treat of the Month I've done. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of my favorite shoots I've ever done by yeah, far. It was epic. It
1: was so, so good. Um. So, okay. So you, so your first scene was with Blacked Raw. Mm-hmm. And then did you just start working like all the time?
0: Yeah. So, well, I mean... That's the short version of that story. The long version is that I had a whole week of work booked that Mm -hmm. week. Lansky had booked me for uh, three shoots that week. Mm -hmm. And I shot the first one and I started to feel kind of sick, like halfway through, like Mm -hmm. kind of like a headache. And Mm -hmm. I ended up getting like, terrible flu like i was so sick so i had to cancel those two scenes and i I was staying with spiegler
1: yeah and
0: i was so fucking sick he took he took me to urgent care like he i just met this guy yeah and he's like taking care of me and i feel like that bonded us so much at least me to him i don't know if he even gives a fuck but i was like (laughs) so grateful to him because i had to cancel here i am making my first impression on on spiegler yeah canceling my first you know Two of my first scenes. It's almost
1: better that you were sick at his house so he could see that you were violently oh, yeah. ill and you was, weren't faking Oh, it.
0: I was so, so sick. And I was so sick I couldn't even drive home. Mm-hmm. So I'm at his house for a week, not working, wow. sleeping in his guest bedroom because I couldn't even drive home. And I left and I we hadn't really – he hadn't booked me any work after that at that mm-hmm. point. And he kind of, like, you know, at the end of the week, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling good enough to go. Like, thank you for everything. And I kind of left. And I was like, all right, that was it. I just blew it. Like, yeah. I thought for sure. And then he called me a couple days later. He's like, hey, I need a schedule from you on, like, for sure days. People want to book you. Like, what do I, what days are you open? And I was like, oh, okay. So this is happening. Like, yeah. you know, I thought for sure it just, you know, that I blew it just from having to cancel two of my first scenes. Um, so from there, I... You know, I told him that it was important to me to be able to stay in Utah um, and have time with my family, which Mm -hmm. is really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I made a commitment to come out every other week at that point, Mm -hmm. uh, which has now changed to every two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I quit my job and now I just come out every two weeks and work. So, and pretty much from that day, I've been booked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. is it kind of do you feel that this the fact that you live somewhere else and that you have a whole other life outside of porn and you have a whole other like social circle outside of porn do you feel that that's almost healthier for you in a way and can create that distinction between the two because i feel like sometimes people come into this industry and they get so wrapped up in the industry and their whole life it
0: consumes them is the I, industry i think it is an it's absolute necessity to have a life outside of porn. I mean, I love porn, and I'm I'm so happy to have it. But this is this is not a lifestyle, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I come here and I work and I shoot, and um, I have people in the industry that I love and that I'm close to, and that I'm grateful to have. Um, but I have an entire life outside mm-hmm. of L. A. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: this is work. You know, right. I come to work and I go home. Right. And I feel like a lot of people here never stop with mm-hmm. it and i do not think it's healthy um i i think that it's really important to have a life outside of work in any industry it, yeah
1: you know I was say
0: it's it's not just porn i mean there's people outside of porn that are that are workaholics and they never leave the office they only hang out people from work and it, it, it'll drive you crazy mm-hmm. um i feel like i have a really good balance and i'm and i'm lucky to have that and, you know, I have a really supportive family and a uh, really accepting family and and I have friends. And, you know, Utah is, I, I come here and I work and I'm Alina Lopez and I go home to Utah and, and I'm just me. Mm-hmm. And I don't do any porn stuff. I don't work. I just, I spend time with my family and I focus on me and I work on my personal life and, and it's just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I would n- never want to change it. Even like, even if I am losing work by being out there. It's a sacrifice. I'm definitely happy to make.
1: Yeah. Well, and it sounds like when you come back, you're completely booked anyways. So I feel like it just it just kind of forces you to have that separation mm-hmm. and to kind of schedule out your life better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I mean I you know I've been in the industry for 21 years, and even though like I kind of grew up in it because my you know mom worked in it. I definitely have like a life outside of it. Like my boyfriend's not connected to the adult industry at all. A lot of my friends um do not work in the adult industry and I find that that's very healthy mm-hmm. for me, you know. Um so many people are so consumed and you know it happens sometimes when like work turns on you and then these people like
0: and if all you have are work, are friends yeah. in the industry, then if and when you have a falling out, then now you have to work with these people right? <laughs> or it's going to affect, you know, it's just safer. I mean, I definitely have friends, mm-hmm. friends in the industry, um, <clears throat> but, you know, it's important to have a healthy social circle
1: mm-hmm.
0: outside of work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I think that that's really I think that's really valuable, and I think you're very smart to do that. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back. We're going to talk about um, your Mormon upbringing, some really cool new projects that you're doing that are coming out that are actually out now, and um, so much more. So hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Care of Vitamins these care of vitamins are literally the thing that I cannot live without. And that's because I'm an incredibly busy person. I work really long days and the vitamins that care of has specifically curated for me really, really helped me get through those days. I just cannot tell you the difference I feel when I'm getting my right vitamins. And especially at this time of year, It's easy to fall off track when it comes to your health, your wellness, and your fitness routine. I mean, winter is coming along with the holidays. It's so easy to overeat and just stay inside and watch Netflix. So you really want to make sure that you're taking your vitamins. And Care Of makes it so easy. You just go online, you take a short, fun, five-minute quiz, and answer easy questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health needs. You'll then get a research-backed recommendation with the vitamins, supplements, and possibly protein powders that you need based completely on your personalized quiz results. And then it's so easy. Care of just ships you your vitamins straight to your door. They come in this Wonderful little cardboard box that easily dispenses each packet that you need to take every day. You can just slip it into your purse, slip it into your pocket, take it with you. It makes it like foolproof to take the vitamins that you really, really need. I mean, before I would go to the store, I'd look at all these different vitamins. I didn't know what I needed. I'd try to organize them into this stupid little plastic box that didn't fit into my purse. It was such a pain in the butt. Care of has really changed. The game for me, and it really keeps me on top of my health needs, and I'm so appreciative. So, why don't you give them a shot? For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter Holly50. That's takecareof.com and use the code Holly50 for 50% off of your first order. Take care of yourself with Care Of Vitamins. Hello, listeners. Do you love this show? Are you thinking to yourself, man, it's so great that Holly gets all this free content for us to enjoy. I wonder if there's any way that I can support her and help her to create even better content. Well, you can. And I'm going to actually give you something in return for your support. By joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash Unfiltered, not only will you be supporting this independent endeavor, which is my podcast, but you will also get all kinds of super cool perks that are available exclusively to members of my Patreon. That means that you will be able to watch my interviews live as they happen and therefore access them way before everybody else does. You will also be able to get signed prints for my guests. You'll be able to access exclusive bonus content such as My LA Porn Life, the podcast that I do with my production manager, Eva, as well as some exclusive interviews that I do on set with some of the biggest stars in the industry. There's so much at my Patreon for you to enjoy, and I would absolutely love it if you would just go give it a peek, see if it might be worth a couple bucks for you to support the show that you love so much. So go to patreon.com slash Unfiltered. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Unfiltered. Okay, so we're back. So, Alina, I know this is something that you've talked about a lot, but, you know, people are always fascinated by this and the duality and the fact that you do have a good relationship with your family. So you grew up Mormon, Mm -hmm. which is notoriously, um, I wouldn't say, provides a lot of sex education.
0: None. (laughs) The only sex education they provide is don't do it.
1: Yeah. So how how was that for you and how did getting into sex work coming from that kind of background work?
0: Um, you know, there's a lot, there's actually a few other girls in the industry who were raised Mormon and, and I feel like I had a, a mostly different experience from, from the girls that I know that were raised Mormon because for me, I never really believed in the Mormon church even mm-hmm. when I was young and it was my whole life, mm-hmm. my whole family, my whole neighborhood. We, you know, Mormon people kind of live in Mormon populated areas, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and so, all my neighbors, all my friends at school, everyone around me was, and yet i I always knew that i didn 't believe, even when I was young I mm-hmm. never you know, so for me it wasn 't that hard to leave the Mormon church because I never felt connected to it anyways mm-hmm. um, and I think that it was it was best that way too, because then, when I finally did really fully you know, leave the church, my family wasn't shocked. They right. all, everyone else kind of knew too. Yeah. My parents always tried to push me into it when I was younger, um, but I think they always knew that it just, it it wasn't for me. Right. Um, so I didn't have like some big dramatic exit and, you know, my family didn't disown me because they knew that I, that it's, um, it's, it's not going to work for me. Right. If, you know, they don't want, me in their life, then that's on them, right? Um. So, but anyways, what was
1: the <laughs> the, the other part of the question? Well, I was going to ask you. So how how did they react when they found out that you were doing adult work?
0: It wasn't a huge surprise <clears throat> to a lot of them. I was always a really, you know, I don't really feel like I ever went through like an awkward phase. Mm-hmm. I've always been pretty confident, even mm-hmm. when I was younger. I. And I was always very sexual, you know, I've been masturbating my whole life and, and um, I've always been a huge flirt. I was always like getting in trouble at school and in church for flirting and talking and lifting up my skirt and all those things. <laughs> like, And I, I just thought it, I had so much fun mm-hmm. doing that, those things, you mm-hmm. know, and I just genuinely loved being openly sexual not even just keeping it a secret and just like masturbating at home. Mm-hmm. Like I would, you know, I loved dressing sexy. I love tying up my shirt and dancing to Britney Spears music. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, I didn't just enjoy my sexuality and I enjoyed sharing it mm-hmm. and being open about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my family and, and they, they just always knew that they always saw it. There was nothing they could do to stop me from doing those things. Um, and there's seven kids in my family, so when there's that many kids it's hard to like you know give one kid who's struggling you yeah. know in their eyes that kind of attention to right. get them to stop doing that if you really want them to because there's just too much going on right so I mean, I guess I kind of worked in my advantage because I got to get away with those things a lot more <laughs> um, but when i when I finally started um well, before I even was in the industry, I was in a, in a serious relationship and we were open mm-hmm. and my family who all knew that I was in an open relationship. Mm-hmm. So that was very like shocking to them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they knew I was like doing things out of the ordinary sexually already. So I did all these little things from growing up into adulthood to get them kind of used to me being sexually you were preparing different. them all along. I guess so yeah. Unintentionally preparing yeah. them to for what for the big finale. <laughs> uh, so when I finally did porn, I think the biggest uh response from the people in my life were just that they weren't surprised. Right. And not even and my cousin when she found out, she said it in the funniest way, um she she calls me and I hadn't really told a lot of people myself, like a lot of people just found out on right. their own, um, which I wasn't afraid of it. Cause like Spiegler warned me. He's like, everyone, you know, is going to find out. I'm like, okay, yeah. like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, so my cousin called me and she was like, Hey, so I saw something, you know, online or someone told me and, and she was like, not to be rude, but I'm not surprised. Like, and I, and she didn't, wasn't that saying that in, a, in an offensive way. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. She was genuinely saying like, yeah like that's like sounds like something you would do and that's great like right 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 and it just it just cracked me up but yeah so my family was pretty it wasn't like a big emotional thing Mm. it wasn't like a big crazy thing and like no one even there was no point where anyone in my family like didn't talk to me for a short period of time like everything just kind of went on as normal
1: so you're so close to your family, and you guys all yeah, have a good we're all
0: having Thanksgiving together in a couple of weeks. Like that's
1: great. Yeah. See, I love hearing stories like that because so many people. And actually, I got a comment on one of my YouTube videos literally the other day from some guy saying this that you know, can you? F- You know, all these girls come from broken homes. All these girls. All these girls were abused. All these girls were abused. um, You know, every Mm -hmm. single one of them. And that's why they do porn. And I try to tell people like that's not the case. Like, yes, some people have experienced Mm that. Look, a lot of people have experienced abuse. Yeah. I'm like, do you
0: realize that? And pretty much every girl was sexually abused. I don't know anyone who wasn't. It's happened
1: to a lot of people and a lot of people didn't go into porn. You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately it's something that's across the board that's happened to a lot of people. But of course the focus is always on the people who work in porn because Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, of course that that's what would have happened. But what it sounds like to me with you and I remember like Angela White had a very similar story as well, is that you were just always a sexual person Mm -hmm. and it was something that, you know, you had from a young age and it wasn't the result of abuse and it wasn't the result of, you know, some horrible circumstance. It was just who you were. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you were able to find an industry that supported that and also paid you for it, Mm -hmm. that you could like make a career out of it. So (coughs) when you hear people talk about, you know, how every girl who works in porn comes from this broken, abusive family you must kind of like roll your eyes yeah, because obviously I, you're the antithesis of that.
0: Yeah, I, my family was was great growing up. I mean, like, even though we were Mormon, we weren't, you know, there's different, I feel like different levels of Mormonism mm-hmm. in, the, in the sense of how, how devoted some families are compared to others. My family was, de- was definitely all devoted, but like, even all the women in my family are very sexual. Mm. Um, even if they're all monogamous or waited till marriage, like, you know. Even my Mormon sisters have like baskets of lingerie and sex toys, like the and and my mom, you know, was always my mom is Latin and and she's very sexual and she although like she waited till marriage and you know my dad was the only man she'd ever been with growing up, uh, she was dancing around the kitchen in her underwear too. Like Mm -hmm. I just grew up and like all the women in my family are really sexual and and you know my mom came to ABN.
1: She, oh, and she's awesome. right
0: now she's sewing my dress like hand like from scratch for next really? year's Really? yeah oh my god that's so great and she's like super like supportive and you know she came to AVN and she was like so she's really competitive she was a, a gymna- gymnastics mom a cheer mom so she's all like you know I told her what I was nominated for and and uh, and I was up for best new starlet and she was looking at all the other girls who were nominated she's like well you're the prettiest one and you're <laughs> like oh and I'm like so mom awesome. stop like she was so, so competitive. And she's like, show me which ones are, are those girls. Or, you know, yeah. she's just like, she's there and she's all for it. Like, yeah. That's almost like, too much. That sounds like my mom. My mom's also very competitive and super supportive. too. Yeah. That's she so just funny. wants, you know, she just wants us to be happy and wants us to be smart and safe mm-hmm. and all that. And she also wants us to just whatever we're going to do you know, do it the best we can. Right. So if I'm going to commit to this, I'm not going to half ass it. Right. And she supports me in that and right. she respects me in that because I've shown her, you know, when I told her that I um that I was doing porn, you know, at first she it was shocking to her and she didn't really I could tell she didn't really know how to feel um and I, and I went and I got a few of my box covers and, and my penthouse had, had come out at mm-hmm. that point and, and Hustler and Taboo that I, I was on the cover of all these things. And I was like, look, like I did all this within my first year. Right. And, and I, I told her what AVN was. And then I, at that point I had five nominations and, mm-hmm. and she was like wow, like she actually, and she like looked at my penthouse and she's like, can I keep one of these? (laughs) Like she, so she kept it. Yeah. And she, she's, she's proud of me. She really is. Yeah. She still goes to church every Sunday and she's still proud of me. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just goes to
1: show that, you know, a life of being religious and, you know, having a sex (laughs) worker in the family doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. something that can't. I know. I'm like,
0: I hate to break it to you guys, but guess what? my mom is proud of me. She does love me because people are always like, oh, your parents must be proud. Like, yeah, uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> my mom's going with Like, I'm again. so
0: sorry. It must just, like, crush your soul that my family accepts me. Like you're going to have to find something else to hate on. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's sad, right? Because people always, well, you know, it's always people that are projecting their own Mm -hmm. sexual hangups and insecurities Mm -hmm. on other people, you know, like,
0: why does your mom hate you? Like, what is the issue here?
1: (laughs) I think one of the biggest issues that, you know, human beings have is that we always project our own experiences and our own feelings onto other people. Mm -hmm. And we think, well, you must be this kind of person or you must feel this way about this because I would feel that way, if I was in that situation because I had these experiences, and Oops. my life was like this, so therefore you must feel the same way and like
0: what a small minded right, way to, to perceive the world <laughs> right
1: exactly, without recognizing that we are all different, and mm-hmm. we are all like mm-hmm. the makeup of our you know biology and our hormones mm-hmm. and our thoughts and our life experiences and our genetics, like there's so many little mm-hmm. things that go into making each person an individual human being. And all of, you know, your experiences are your own experiences. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and why can't you just be happy for people if they're happy? I know. Why is that such a hard concept for people to grasp?
1: I think it's because <laughs> they're so incredibly unhappy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I always try to look at people who, you know, come uh, troll people online and feel this negativity. The psychology behind it is so
0: interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Every time I get one of those really nasty comments um, from someone on social media, sometimes i'll go look at their profile yeah and you can see how miserable they are yeah you can see there was one guy who posted something and i looked and he had he had commented on you know 30 other girls posts saying mm-hmm. nasty things as well yeah. within the last like hour yeah and i was like you're just sitting on your computer just but boiling and and being so angry and nasty i'm like you need to like turn off your computer and get outside like you you need help yeah yeah. (laughs) it's actually very concerning like i'm like i don't i'm not hurt by people when they comment those things i I mostly feel sad for them Mm -hmm. and concerned
1: yeah i think that's very um very valid way to feel. (laughs) So uh, you have um, a couple of new things that have just come out. Um, So today is technically Halloween when this podcast actually comes out on the platforms, it, won't, it will not be Halloween anymore. <laughs> but um so you just had a movie called Fertile come out from Pure Taboo, mm. right? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I saw some of the box covers, mm-hmm. some of the artwork around it. It looks like super yeah. fucking creepy which is, you know, like what but also too, <laughs> like that is so Pure Taboo and Brie Mills because And
0: Halloween, if you mix it up, if yeah. you give her any reason to make it extra creepy for Pure Taboo like Halloween is It must be like one. Brie's
1: like favorite time of year. She's like, now <laughs> she's I can She's such like a weirdo. I love cre-
0: it. Oh, she's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. and you meet her
1: too and she's like super normal uh-huh. she's really smart she's mm-hmm. very articulate she's very like meticulous and you're but like wow the,
0: all these things all that funny. shit in your brains <laughs> yeah. like what it's the awesome. fuck yeah. Um, but yeah this was a, a part of a series uh, called Under the Bed for, <clears throat> for Pure Taboo they did uh, all I mean I think that they weren't all for Pure Taboo but they were. there was a series that a few you know different mm-hmm. directors got together to make a this halloween special you mm-hmm. know um and the one that brie directed was with me and angela white tommy pistol isaiah maxwell steve holmes and uh shit which one am i missing charles dara mm. of course charles can can't miss charles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it was about a uh, a couple me and tommy pistol who desperately wanted to conceive a child mm-hmm. and and uh you know it gets stressful and and crazy and and at this point, my character is willing to do anything it takes to just get pregnant mm-hmm. um, and so i to, so I go to this questionable doctor who 's doing experiments and tests you know and and it 's free and she 's guaranteed to like get you pregnant if mm-hmm. you go to her, so I go to her and she Angela just plays the most amazing you know mad scientist mm-hmm. character who. Who gets me pregnant by making me have sex with all these weird, like, you know, projects that she's created? Oh
1: my god! That's to get
0: fantastic. pregnant, yeah, it was crazy and creepy and and hot and weird and all those things. And, and yeah, it's, it just got released today um, on Adult Time, and I I highly recommend watching it. <laughs> that like
1: that plays into that whole breeding fetish. Yeah. Which is a really Which I
0: don't really interesting. I don't really fetish. have that fetish, but yeah. during the filming of it, I was like, this is like weirdly hot. Like yeah. I enjoyed filming it. Yeah. <laughs> um
1: So yeah. and though for those of you who don't know, like the breeding fetish is literally trying to get somebody pregnant. Yeah. Which is <laughs> I mean, the consequences of such a thing are like I don't know if that's sexy, but for some, I don't know. I think it taps into this kind of lizard brain mentality where we're all programmed, yeah, to to get to, to get to pregnant, to yeah, right.
0: Um, but I think it's like I understand it like from a from a male's perspective to yeah. like put your like spawn inside yeah. of someone and it grows in and them, duplicate like, yourself. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. like it's creepy it's like and infiltrating. Hot. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, damn, like, can you imagine being a baby that came from a breeding fetish? Like, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> who knows? Maybe we were. <laughs> you know, what? I-, I definitely was. I came from a Mormon family. That's the <laughs> whole point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, they just sugarcoated it a little yeah. bit more.
0: <laughs> it's for God. Breed, I think it makes it even more weird. You're you're breeding servants for God, which is what having kids in the Mormon Church is oh about. Oh my God, I never thought about it yeah. in that way. So that's what I was born to be. How am I doing?
1: You're you're doing great. <laughs> you're doing great. You're wow. <laughs> he thinks is that re- <laughs> is that really what they say? You're breed. You're making servants. Yeah, for God,
0: God. Yeah, God. That's why He commanded. You know, go forth and 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 have babies. I can't remember. There's so like there's an actual Bible verse can, about it, but it, it's, me. yeah, yeah. It's we're, a little we're all, narcissistic. Exactly. And that's like, he teaches and like the Mormon church is all about like not being narcissistic and being humble and, and giving your life to God. I'm like, but this God, you're, you know, worshiping is everything that he's telling you not to be right. Like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Do
1: you have any kind of faith or do you have like a different idea of God or do you have
0: spirituality in your life? I'm, I'm atheist. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't really, I'm so, I had so much of that growing up that Mm -hmm. I'm just over it. I don't even care for any of that, any of it. Yeah. And once you look into religion, um, it's, all religions come from the same uh, story. You know, I I can't recall what it was now, but if you start researching it, you find that all religions stemmed from this one that started at the beginning that was just some, like, bullshit. I think it was, like, in Egypt or something, like, mm-hmm. some story they told. And people were like, oh, this would make a great, you know, lifestyle. It's a good lifestyle. way to the
1: people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, Because, I mean, I guess it explains things that don't make any sense. I mean, can you, you can imagine, like, before science, mm-hmm. like, the natural disasters that we witness. Like, how do you explain that crazy shit? Mm-hmm. So, I guess it kind of makes sense. And then also, too, I think to give people, like, purpose and give people direction, maybe.
0: I know. But to me, that's kind of pathetic. I'm yeah. like, you can't just find that within yourself. You need to rely on on um, this, you know. Right.
1: Well, I think today, obviously, with science, like, we we know why volcanoes erupt and yeah. we know why tornadoes we know why
0: haven't. the moon disappears once a month. Right, <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. But you can see, like, I mean, I am not religious at all, mm-hmm. um, but I could see why, you know, explanations had to be created mm-hmm. for those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, it, what it comes down to, like you said, is just control. It's just mm-hmm. another way to to make money and to control people. I mean, the Mormon church is a, like multi-billion dollar. Yeah. All religion. you have to do
1: is like drive on Santa Monica, like Santa Monica and Overland. And there's the fucking Overland, the Overland church, the Mormon church with its huge spire. It's Have you seen it?
0: The what? There, are t- is there, is there, there's
1: a huge Mormon church. It's a
0: temple then. Churches are temple. small. Yeah. They have oh, temples whatever. all over. See, <laughs> <They're> see? <different. laughs> I was actually
1: raised atheist. So I like, I'm, literally know nothing about temple church <laughs> castle yeah i think
0: i've th- I whatever think temple high there. rise
1: it's all the same but
0: <laughs> but yeah I, I i did like baptisms for the dead when i was younger in the mormon church like wow. all the weird like temple culty type yeah you know experiences and rituals like it's it's fucking wild
1: yeah <laughs> But do you have like okay? So religion aside, because you don't have to be religious to have like any kind of spirituality. Do you have anything like that, or do you ever like wonder or like why we're on this planet? Do you ever not like re- think I about? Don't, I don't really care. I don't you're really just more about, in the moment. I, what I
0: just well, I mean, not that I'm in the moment. I just to me, I am atheist. Mm-hmm. But even if there was something after this, I don't believe that any religion on this earth has it right. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no fucking way because even the even the Mormon Church has evolved so much and. And what it believes comes after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to be a good person, you know, and even if there is like a heaven or a hell, I'm just going to be a good person just because I feel like that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I die, if that's, if there is a heaven and hell, I believe that that's going to be the only defining factor mm-hmm. to get in or not. And right. so then I'm just not worried about it Yeah, because like, I I know that I'm a good person and I do my best and and that's to me that's all there is to it. Like yeah, you should do that regardless. And right. then if you there is something, then cool.
1: You're afraid yeah. of going to heaven or hell. And right. that's
0: one thing about atheists versus people who are religious that I respect about atheists is that mm-hmm. they're they're good people just to fucking be good people. I mean, mm-hmm. the ones everyone's good and bad in, in right. each group, but people who are atheists who are good people I respect infinitely more than religious people who are good because, you know, I'm like, you're just being good because you want to go to heaven. Right. Like you're, you're just being good because yeah, it's not, you're, you're just being good because you're afraid to go to hell. Right. You're just like being good to be like, Hey God, did you see that? Did you see I just gave that homeless person some money? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not real. I also think too, like
1: if you really want to like think deeply about it, I personally don't believe that there's a hell because I don't think that even like really bad people, I mean, if God is really all powerful, then didn't he make you bad or, you know, people like, like we talked about earlier, like you're a product of like so many different things, Mm -hmm. genetics, you know, biology, Mm -hmm. life experiences. So if you grew up in a horrible family and you were abused and you were tortured or whatever, like that, that's not your fault. And that created you to be something or if you, you know, and some people are just have certain
0: personality traits or they're mentally ill. Like, how is that? Does that mean that they deserve to go to hell? Right. Like how is after God designed them that way and God put them into a family that would raise them that way? Like it's, it just like, it kind of, and then people in religion and then the Mormon church, particularly, particularly they use the excuse like, Oh, well God gave us free agency and that's, you know, where the people are the ones doing that not him mm-hmm. and I'm like well then why couldn't he come up with a fucking better plan like <laughs> if he's this all powerful being like this is the best he could do is a plan right. where innocent people get hurt and like it's just bullshit to me I'm like yeah. if that's like what your God's best plan was and a plan where people get hurt people get killed and people get tortured for what fucking reason like because he wanted us to have free agency then he's kind of a shitty planner yeah <laughs> shitty point <laughs> like you're an all powerful being and that's the best you can do
1: yeah so yeah i hear you like i
0: just don't believe it like I, either he's not real or he's doing a shit job right <laughs> <laughs> oh god maybe i will go to hell
1: <laughs> no i don't think so i mean you know yeah like i don't know it's just one of those things you could like argue about and think about forever and everybody's got their everybody's got their own Belief and you know whatever whatever makes you happy and whatever helps you get through the day. Like I'm just like believe whatever you want as long as you don't push it on other people.
0: Yeah, and see that's like another thing. Like <clears throat> I love my family, but you know it is still a weird thing to me that they are they all are Mormon and that's just how they're going to be and mm-hmm. and I have to accept them and they have to accept me and and we and and we all get along. But when it comes down to it, you know people say like oh well you know people should just be able to do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting people, but People in the Mormon church are hurting people, mm-hmm. you know. They're tearing families apart,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. I was lucky to be in a family that wouldn't do that. But if you're teaching, if the teachings in the church are telling you, like, oh, if, you're, if your son is gay, he's going to hell.
1: Right. You know, how
0: that family's going to get as far away from that as they can. Right, You right. know, so they are hurting people. So it's not okay, and I don't support it. And I, it's, it is hard for me to— you know, like I love my family. And they're not always like talking about more like how they're Mormon in church. Like that's mm-hmm. you know, my family's not because there are people in the church who who are way more like I said, there's different levels of, of it. Um mm-hmm. but I couldn't be around people who are constantly like pushing it and talking about it and making it their their everyday Right. You know, routine right. to to preach it to everyone around you because it's it's just bullshit, and it's yeah. and it is hurting people. And
1: I hear you, girl. <laughs> I totally hear so you. I,
0: so, it's like, no, I'm not just going to be happy for them that they're that they're happy. Like, you know, people in the Mormon Church or other religions that are that are hurting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, this is a big reason why I did Bishop's interview that scene for Pure Taboo. Mm-hmm. Did you ever? Mm-mm. So I. This is like a whole. Yeah, story. I
1: actually heard a really okay. So I think I know like in general what you're talking about in terms of what a bis- bishop's interview is, mm-hmm. because I listened to this whole NPR episode about it.
0: About bishops' interviews. Yes. Yeah. And uh,
1: it was. I was. I. I just remember listening to it, being like, "Oh, oh my god!
0: Oh it, my god! Yeah, oh my god!" It's basically a, you meet with your bishop starting at age 12 in the Mormon mm-hmm. Church. Um, at age 12, you start meeting with your bishop twice a year, every six months. Um, to discuss your spiritual progress and your worthiness, mm-hmm. um, and to make sure you're you know on track and everything with your spiritual goals, and during this time they just hound you about, you know, it's it's I guess similar to a confession session, mm-hmm. um, where they make sure you're paying your tithing, ten percent of all the money you get you have to give to the church, and if oh, which you is crazy. yeah, and if you don't pay it, then you can't get your temple recommend. If you can't go to the temple, you know, you can't go to the celestial kingdom. So you're essentially buying your way into heaven.
1: How do they? Okay. So they can't actually check that you're giving 10% of your earnings. Can they? Oh no,
0: they make you, they'll make you show documents. And if you don't show them, then are you like, fucking serious? They don't like, if they feel like they need, They like, want your they, tax returns? if they feel like you're lying, they can ask for it. And if you, you can choose not to give them, but in return, you just won't get your temple recommend. Wow. So, yeah, they have, they will take it to that point. That's
1: crazy. Uh
0: Uh-huh. But, you know, and the biggest sin you can commit into the in the church, like, you know, if you have sex, you know, if you're like, if you're in the church and you're not married and you have sex with a new guy every week and you Mm -hmm. openly tell your bishop about that, you're more likely to get excommunicated than you were if you killed someone. Wow. So... Um, one of the biggest things they hound you about is your sexual purity. Mm. And uh, so I was I was young, and I was in one of my bishop's interviews. This is the last one I ever went to. I refused to go after this. Um, and I had been starting to experiment sexually. Um, and I hadn't had sex yet, but I had been fingered by someone. Like, you know, mm-hmm. someone had fingered me. And the bishop starts asking me about this, and I told him and then he's like well well, what tell me what happened next like you know and like just got and they go into detail and they want to yeah. hear everything and during this particular meeting I was too young to understand at the time but now that I'm an adult I look back and I realize what was going on because I felt like there was something weird going on but mm-hmm. I didn't get it he was jerking off under his desk because I was explaining to him what had happened to me and that's all that it didn't escalate from there mm-hmm. um but it does in other situations and with other girls and boys in the church, you know, it, this is like, when is this going to stop where church leaders are abusing young kids? Like, it's just, yeah. it's become a regular thing within the religious community in all religions. Right. And it's, it's just got to stop. So I, I did this scene where I prepared to where I got to, I got to write the scene and I wrote it based off of that story only in my version, I showed the full extent of what can happen when you send your kid alone into a room. Mm-hmm. With a man who has that kind of authority right. in their life, yeah. Um, and the problem is too
1: is when you make sex so taboo, then like people get all kinds of fucked up ideas yeah. around it. And, and I was it luck- their mind as well.
0: I was lucky to know that that is wrong. You mm-hmm. know, some people it does fuck with their head. I it didn't with me because I knew that in that situation where I was talking about that, as soon as I left, I was angry. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I should not have to talk about that with him. He's mm-hmm. not my hes not my parents. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's not my mom or my dad. Why does he get to tell me, you know, what to do sexually? And, and I, even though I was young, I knew that that was wrong. Right. Um, I didn't walk out of there crying or guilty. and But a lot of kids do. Of course. You know, and adults. And, you know, it's wrong. And that goes back to me saying, like, you know, even if people are in the Mormon church and they're happy, I still cannot be happy for them because they are hurting people. Mm-hmm. Like, they're supporting, and it, even if they in particular are not, they're supporting a community that does. Right. So, it's just... Yeah. But that was an important project to me because I got to show, you know, this is what fucking happens. And it was kind of my fuck you to the Mormon church. And, yeah. And... um did any of your family knew that you did that scene specifically? I told, I told a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, um, one of my sisters was, I talked to her about it and she was like, cause back then, um, you had to send your kid in alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that's fucked up and wrong. And I don't keep up with the new rules in the church now. Like I used to, cause I'm not in it. Mm-hmm. And I said to my sister, and she's like, Oh, well they changed that rule Now parents go in with the kids. And I was like, oh, well, that's great. Like, yes. I'm glad they changed it. But then I find out that she was sugarcoating that because it's not that they made a rule that parents go in with their kids. They said parents can go in with their kids. But parents still have the option to send their kids in alone. Right. So I'm like, that's, that's not enough.
1: Yeah. So. And it's also strange to have to talk about your sexual purity <laughs> and in front of your parents.
0: It's too. what? Oh, yeah. So, and you, you think that if my mom and We're dad really are really having to
1: explain that to anybody. Yeah, do you
0: think that if my mom and dad are sitting right next to me, that at that point that I would, like, even tell them what happened, like... Yeah. It just... Or, like, having to tell it in front of my parents would make it even more traumatizing. Like, so, it's just... It's all kinds of fucked up. I mean, no one should be talking to kids about sex, but their parents... I mean, right. unless their parents aren't doing it, then, you know, that's where schools need to come in and do a better job. Like, everyone needs to do a better job right? right. these days.
1: Yeah, sex education is definitely, like, a big issue in mm-hmm. today's world.
0: And even in where I lived growing up, there hardly was. The sex education we got was just a class about uh, how reproduction works. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily that's not sex a, education. Yeah. Well, it and- was how it works and then don't do it. <laughs> like it's like wait, what about STDs? What about, you know, consent? What about
1: hormones? What about yeah. like urges? Yeah, what about exactly. like these thoughts and feelings that I'm having that I don't understand mm-hmm. because nobody nobody's is explaining it. explaining it to me and nobody's mm-hmm. telling me that this is normal for someone my age. Oh yeah, I know I'm I, going through puberty. I mean,
0: the person that I referred to earlier that I was in a relationship with, he also um was raised in the church and He had also left. We had both left. Um, And he, you know, had such intense shame after masturbating that he would physically punish himself. He would like punch himself in the face.
1: Oh, my God. That's so terrible. Yeah.
0: Because of how guilty he felt. Yeah. And whose fault is that?
1: Yeah, it's just crazy to me because it's like I grew up in such a different environment. You know, I grew up like my parents made porn, and I grew up in a very like free spirited. Like, cannot even opening. imagine
0: what the, look, I can't imagine. Like, here, like what, here we both are, right.
1: though. Here we are, <laughs> we're both in porn. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine growing up in that kind of environment. You know, and sometimes people say like, "Oh, what was it like growing up like a child of pornographers?" I'm like, I, I don't know. They were just good parents. Yeah, like they didn't. You know, they I knew wow, that, how
0: mind-blowing people yeah. in the industry can be good parents. I know.
1: I know, right?
0: We're just normal people, what?
1: I know. <laughs> I, I do thought. I do have some people who um, you know, work in the industry who have kids um who have come to me and asked me like what it was like growing up, you know, having mm-hmm. parents who worked in the industry mm-hmm. and like was it okay for me and what did my parents say to me and stuff like that and You know, I just knew my parents were always honest about it, but they Mm -hmm. weren't like, here's what we do. Look at this porno. You know what I mean? Like they never showed it it to me. They kept it away from me because I was too young. But um, I just, you know, knew that mom and dad made, you know, movies and pictures for grownups and And I wasn't allowed to go in the office and. And that was kind of it, and I didn't really care. Well, I mean, it's Besides just like teaching our
0: kids that they can't watch rated right R movies until they're older. You right. know, it's like yeah. you just teach them, you know, some things are not appropriate until you're older, and yeah. you can, you know, talk about it at different stages as as they grow. Yeah, exactly. It's simple. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, hopefully people, I feel like people are becoming, we're talking, starting to talk about this stuff more. I mean, especially now that, like, porn is out there and it's out there on the internet and now like Mm -hmm. kids are watching porn and that's becoming sex education which is a problem because it needs to not come from Pornhub Mm -hmm. it needs to come from the parents and the schools so hopefully we'll be seeing some changes that's what
0: like parents that bitch about it I'm like you can't say anything until you have talked to your kids yourself like if your kids are seeking it out that's because you're not doing a good job
1: right so yeah because kids are curious they're Mm -hmm. gonna you know and they're I I remember
0: like Googling like the word orgasm I'm like what does that mean yeah (laughs) and like looking up all this stuff and I just like did it right there at the computer and when I was younger like I can't imagine
1: because the internet didn't come around until I was you know in my like late (coughs) late teens like going into college so Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it would be like growing up with it it's got to be nuts Mm -hmm. I just had my mom's penthouse magazines in the back that I used to steal (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Alina, thank you so much for coming in. This is such a pleasure and um, really like interesting. I love like your backstory, and I love you know how you provide a completely different account than what most people think it is to be somebody working in the sex industry and from the background that you come from. And and yeah, I just think you're I just think you're swell.
0: Thank you. I think you're <laughs> swell as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and if you have any websites or anything that you want to plug?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, my website is newly launched. I have, uh, you can order customs on there and merchandise is coming soon. Um, it's mm-hmm. Um And my Twitter is at Lopez and my Instagram is at Lopez Fantastic.
1: And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm also on Snapchat at HollyRandall78. If you want to support this podcast go to patreon.com slash holly randall unfiltered um help me s- help support my trip to vegas in 2020 i will be streaming my podcast um from the adult time booth so i'm very excited about i'll be that. signing there yay <laughs> so we will be at the adult time booth you can come by and say hello and also too. Um, I have a channel on adult time. Holly Randall and filtered is officially on adult time. So you can go, um, check me out there as well. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. If you like my podcast, please make sure to give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It helps me a lot. If you're not listening to me on the iTunes platform, then you can support me in so many other ways. Um, first of all, obviously I would love it if you would join my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered, where not only will all of the donations that I get go towards making this podcast better, but also I offer really, really cool perks in exchange for your support. Um, Don't forget that I have a new podcast called My L.A. Porn Job that I am doing with my assistant Eva, and it is fucking hilarious. And it is available only on my Patreon for only $5 a month. So that's pretty, pretty cheap. And I promise we will make you laugh and we'll give you even more insight into this fascinating business that I work in. You can also join my Facebook group, go to facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall unfiltered to get access to other exclusive news about the podcast, as well as just join our community. Don't forget too, that I videotape all of my podcast interviews and you can access all of those at my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash C slash Holly Randall unfiltered. You can also email us. Holly Randall unfiltered at gmail.com. Or if you want to leave a voicemail to maybe ask a question for one of my upcoming guests, or just leave a comment or tell us a crazy story or anything that you want to say, you can call us at 424 216 6967. So please send us an email, leave us a Facebook message, leave us a Patreon message, um, leave us a voicemail, and we will maybe get back to you on the show, um, especially the new podcast that I'm doing with Eva. My LA Porn Job will definitely be uh, responding to some of your messages. And overall, we just want to hear back from you guys, want to know how we're doing, what you love about the show, what you hate about the show, who you want to listen to, All of that feedback is super valuable to help me make this show the best that it can be. One last piece of news. I plan on going to the 2020 AVN convention in Las Vegas, and I'm going to bring you this podcast live from the show floor. So that's another reason why I need your financial support, because that's going to be a very expensive trip for me. And, um, I'm definitely not making the kind of income from the show yet to cover it, which is fine, but I hope to eventually get there one day. And with your help, I hopefully will. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you guys for supporting. I appreciate you so much. And, um, I'm still like kind of flabbergasted that this show has done as well as it has. And I'm just super grateful for all of you. Next week on the podcast, I have Kristen Scott, who is really, I think, universally considered one of the best actresses in the adult industry. In fact, she did a role this year for Brie Mills' new movie, Teenage Lesbian, which was so incredibly powerful. I just don't see how she's not going to win Best Actress this year. She was just phenomenal. Um, She's a really bright girl, and I'm just really excited to have her here to talk about her methods. So make sure that you tune in next week for Kristen Scott on Holly Randall Unfiltered.